athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the Dopey Show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show lined up for you today here on the program. So much to really get to on today's program. Baylor wins the national championship in a blowout. Was this the last hurrah, if you will, for Gonzaga in terms of winning a national championship, played in a previous national championship game, lost to North Carolina, who's in the news, who we're going to talk about momentarily as well. I think so. Like, I think if you're Gonzaga, you've gone undefeated all season, you've got to be able to close this thing out. I get it. Baylor's had a good team. Baylor has definitely been either the top team or the second best team in the country this year I don't think there's any question about that but if you're Baylor this is the perfect storm you the blue bloods for the in for the most part are down this year it's COVID uh listen anything can happen with COVID we've seen anything happen we've seen games canceled we've seen games postponed Gonzaga has been able to for the most part be above the fray so if you're Gonzaga and you have the team that Gonzaga has you've got to finish the deal. I realize, and I get it, Baylor had as many pro guys on the court as Gonzaga did. Baylor blew Gonzaga away, man. There was a, 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 a big lead by Baylor early on. Gonzaga able to close the gap to 10 at halftime, and then Baylor was able to come right out and do what Baylor did. Again, if you're Gonzaga, you got to be able, you got to be able to win the tournament, and this would have been the year for Gonzaga to win it. You look at the first time, to me, you look at the first time uh, that Gonzaga was able to win that tournament, or not, excuse me, go to the tournament, lost to UNC, uh, and, you know, they didn't really have a, a big chance to win, if, if memory serves me correctly. It wasn't, the, like, it wasn't the greatest UNC team in terms of talent, but in terms of a team, it was. If you, and when I say talent, I mean guys that would have gone on to have big careers in the NBA. But from a team perspective, it was really good. If my memory serves me correctly, UNC definitely was the favorite. So you're Gonzaga. Hey, you. If you don't get it, you know that it. It could be your only opportunity to get there. Uh, right. Gonzaga more than a mid-major program at this point, but still, you may not get back, but you gave it your all. Now that you get back and we're in the dynamic of COVID, man, you got to close that out. And I'm not sure. I mean, I know they've got, what, a five-star recruit coming in. Some of the guys are going to be coming back from this year's team, going to be coming back uh, next year. But Ken, with, with presumably being out of the COVID situation, and, and what's interesting to me, that's why I don't fool with odds and what Vegas says and all. I don't fool with that. But it was the odds after the loss already stated that Gonzaga had the best odds to win the national championship next year. No, 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 they don't. Gonzaga does not have the best chance to win the national championship next year. Your thoughts? Was this Gonzaga, is the window closing for Gonzaga was this Gonzaga's opportunity to win the national championship hit us up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W or on Facebook B O X the number two R O W got some more to get to I mentioned UNC UNC we talked about Roy Williams retiring last week UNC hired its former player, former NBA player, Hubert Davis, 
as its new head men's basketball coach. On the surface, it's a good hire. You're talking about a guy that, yeah, he doesn't have any college experience, head coaching college experience in terms of, so he was the JV coach at UNC. He was the head JV coach at UNC and then, of course, on the staff of Roy Williams. So, I mean, he 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 has, he doesn't have the major college basketball coaching experience, but he's got co- head coaching experience. So that's a good thing. He's a UNC guy. Uh, he's got the experience in terms of being an assistant coach. And then he's also got the experience in terms of the basketball knowledge, NBA player, excellent in ESPN analyst, excellent basketball analyst. Like Hubert Davis was the man. So when he took the job, when he decided he wanted to get back, I mean, and I don't, you know, whatever anybody wants to do is cool. I just was wondering at the time when he decided to go to UNC, I was just wondering, do you really want to, you, you got a nice job in terms of, you know, you're talking basketball, you're really good at it. Do you really want to go into coaching? But turned out to be a good move because I think when that move was made years ago, seven, eight years ago, however much it was, when he made that move, the ultimate move was going to be Hubert Davis as the head men's basketball coach at UNC, provided that uh, Roy Williams, which we knew he was still going to be successful. He was. I think even after that point, one would at least a national championship, if not a couple, since the hiring of Hubert Davis. Uh, so, and again, that JV experience as the head coach, I mean, it, it, it means something, right? It, it does mean something. But this is what I would say. I definitely like the hire. But if you look at this UNC basketball program from a coach's perspective, so you look at maybe some, there may have been some success before Frank McGuire, but Frank McGuire won a national championship. That was in 57. Then Dean Smith coached for, I mean, what, I mean, 30, almost 40 years was the head coach at UNC. So Dean Smith was able to do big things and ultimately win uh, a couple of national three, a couple of three national championships at UNC. Then Bill Guthridge, his longtime assistant, takes over, has a lot of success. Uh, I thought a lot of success early on, three years, uh, retires. Then Matt Doherty comes in. That just didn't work out well. Uh, at all then you bring in a guy like a Roy Williams so in between Dean Smith and Roy Williams you had Bill Guthridge who had been previously an assistant coach uh, right for many many years you bring in Matt Doherty who had been a player at Carolina and Carolina just didn't have I mean you know again I thought Bill Guthridge had some success but you know final four appearances and all that but not a national championship you bring in a Roy Williams, right? Roy Williams is already an excellent coach, established coach. Talked about this last week. We can talk about, you can talk about the lack of national championships at Kansas all you want. When you talk about was, did Roy Williams do an excellent job at Kansas? He did. The only thing he didn't do was win the national championship. He had like an 82% winning percentage. A lot of people forget, yeah, Three national championships at Carolina, but at Kansas, did an absolutely phenomenal job. Coached some absolutely great players at Kansas as well. So you're bringing in an experienced guy, right? Sort of along, you know, uh, Dean Smith disciple, right? Uh, You know, for many, many years before he went on to have the success at Kansas. Remember, he had head coaching experience. Now you're going back to the well at Carolina, you're bringing in a Carolina guy, which is cool. The only thing I would say is I want to see what ultimately happens with Hubert Davis as the head coach. It's a good hire on the surface, no doubt about it. It's the right hire. Like, I, I mean, you know, it's the right hire. Assistant coach, JV coach, Carolina great, good assistant coach, knowledge of the game, Former NBA player, not only just an NBA player, an NBA player with the Knicks. He's got all the, he's got everything you would want. Should be able to go out and recruit. All of those things, you know, knows how to recruit. He's been part of this recruiting process under Roy Williams, winning national championships. It's a good hire. 
I want to see how ultimately it works out because it's not the same as Carolina hiring Roy Williams after Matt Doherty. We'll see ultimately how it plays out. Before I let you know who are going to be the guests today on From the Press Box to Press Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, the Box to Row National Player of the Week is Arkansas Pine Bluff wide receiver and return man Tyron Ralph. He returned a punt 77 yards for the game-winning touchdown with 154 remaining as the Golden Lions defeated Mississippi Valley State 24-17. He returned five punts for 142 yards, four kickoffs for 85 yards, and recorded four receptions for 61 yards, totaling 279 all-purpose yards for the ball game as Arkansas Pine Bluff continues, continues, continues to roll 3-0 on the season. As a matter of fact, ranked number two in the HBCU football coaches and media polls. So let me set the table for you today here on the program. Who's going to join us on the program? Alabama A&M head football coach Connell Maynard going to join us on the show. Big time game for Alabama A&M going to be on the road in Jackson, Mississippi taking on Jackson State. Jackson State has lost two straight football games. And, of course, I'm going to preview that game as the Box to Row National Game of the Week. Also joining us today on the program, the National Football League draft a couple of weeks away, and we're going to be joined by Brian Mills, former cornerback, former cornerback, CB, cornerback at North Carolina Central, Went to the Senior Bowls, done some great things, had the Combine at North Carolina State a couple of weeks ago. So he's going to join us today on the program, and we're going to talk with him about his journey into playing professional football. Up next, here on From the Press Box to Press Row, you know WrestleMania 37 is this weekend and had a chance to catch up with the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair. You may see her tonight, as a matter of fact, on SmackDown. She's going to be wrestling for the championship against Sasha Banks. And remember, she was a premier athlete in the SEC. Going to talk with her about her time in the SEC. That's up next. You're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row, and you've got us here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 800-603-6298. 800-603-6298. That's 800-603-6298. Missed any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row Podcast at BoxToRow.com or on Apple Podcasts. On ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. So last week had a chance to catch up with Bianca Belair, the EST of WWE. Of course, this weekend, WrestleMania 37, she's going to be taking on Sasha Banks for the championship and had a chance to catch up with her and talk with her about not only wrestling, right, but also about her days as a track star 
in the SEC, including at the University of Tennessee and this historic moment between her and Sasha Banks at WrestleMania 37. Your thoughts on winning that Royal Rumble? Man, that was just an amazing night. Um, you know, I, I, it was a whirlwind of emotions. I remember being in the ring and actually winning the Royal Rumble and having the feeling of, oh, I'm the last woman standing out of 30 women across three different brands, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, and Legends. I just won this Royal Rumble. Um, and then looking to the left and seeing the WrestleMania sign, and it hit me afterwards that, oh, yeah, you're that means you're going to WrestleMania. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was like I knew that I knew that if you won the Royal Rumble, you 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 were punching your ticket to WrestleMania. But when you're in the Royal Rumble, it's such a a long and and grueling match that you know you're you're trying to throw people over the top rope and someone's trying to throw you over the top rope that you can't think about too many things at once. So when I finally won, that was the only thing that was in my mind was, hey, I just won. This is great. And then I looked to the left. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to Mania. This is this, this is amazing. So. I was on cloud nine and just I was vulnerable in that moment. And, you know, all this tough exterior of I'm the EST and I'm strong and I'm the strongest and the toughest and the roughest and the quickest and the greatest and the best. All that just came tumbling down and I would just cried. And I thought about my mom, and my dad in the moment. So I shouted them out. And I think that's what everyone I, I let everyone in and everyone felt like they were a part of the moment with me, which is what I, I love about that moment. Fifty six minutes in the ref. I, I mean, no matter what you're doing, that's a long, like, like, and we'll talk more about that. That's where your track training comes okay. into play, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that. But, like, your parents were super excited for you, right? Like, you're, so I saw a video, something your your dad said or something happened there, right? Oh, yeah. My parents <laughs> are my biggest supporters. They, they've been riding with me for, you know, forever. But, my dad, he's just the person, like, ever since I ran track, I have I have track videos where he's recording, and I would cross the finish line, all of a sudden the camera would go up in the sky because he would just, like, fall back and pass out. So um, it, it's been a thing. I used to always tweet about how my dad would, like, fall over the back of the couch when, like, the show came on or my interest would come on, and no one believed me. So I was able to get them to record themselves um, because they come to every single big moment, and, I, and they're not able to. They weren't able to uh, for Warrior Rumble. So I had them record themselves because I wanted to see them watch it. And I just could not believe it that they caught my daddy falling over the back of the couch <laughs> because he was so excited about the Warrior Rumble. And he stood up on the table. My mom was like yelling, point to the sign, girl, point to the sign. So they get really hyped and really like into it. And, and, I, and, I, and I love them for that. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. She joins us here. As a matter of fact, you can see her Fridays uh, on SmackDown on Fox and, of course, at WrestleMania taking mm -hmm. on Sasha Banks. So we very much look forward uh, to that as well. Uh, to talk about that, and you know, because this is the thing, like, I've been watching wrestling a long time, and there haven't been, there have been, there have been black wrestlers, but not a lot of black female wrestlers. So, I mean, it's you, it's Sasha Banks. You guys are, are tight. There's others, obviously. But what does that mean to you to be one of the stars right now as a black woman in WWE? It's, it's an amazing feeling. Uh, the best word I could say is I just feel blessed, like super blessed. Uh, not even just lucky. I just feel blessed uh, to, to know that. I'm going into WrestleMania to face Sasha Banks, who is the boss, the blueprint, the standard. She is all of those things. And I'm able to, you know, being in WWE, your dream is to make it to WrestleMania, to be in WrestleMania. And the fact that I'm going there, I'm going to be on the grandest stage of them all with Sasha Banks at Tampa Bay on April 10th. Um, it's amazing. And knowing that, you know, WrestleMania is already just, it's the biggest event of the year. Um, you know, how do you, how can you possibly make WrestleMania even bigger? It's just like, well, creating history at WrestleMania. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going there uh, to WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania, which is amazing. And I always say representation is not a, re it's not a request. It's a requirement. And we aren't, we, you know, we're going there to try to become, I'm going there to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion, but it's, it's more than just, creating a moment and becoming a champion just by us standing in the ring 
We are representation for women, representation for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest state of them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. Um, and I just can't wait to be in that moment and, and finally be in front of fans. We're getting fans back for the very first time in over a year. We'll have 25,000 fans each night. Um, you know, and we're, we're following all safety protocols. We're doing uh, pods and social distancing masks are required we're doing psas telling people you know everyone wants to get back to normal so like roll up your sleeves do your part get vaccinated and um that's what we're doing we're trying to get back to normal with wrestlemania and just being able to be on that platform with sasha banks it's 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 going to be a magical night and to be able to create history and be representation it just brings so much more purpose to wrestlemania no question for you, um, talk about your meteoric rise. Like, I mean, what was it? Maybe three, maybe three years ago, you were in NXT, and maybe, but you've you've gone. I mean, you've just continued to rise and rise to the point that now, I mean, you're one of the most popular wrestlers on Friday Night SmackDown, and it's on Fox, by the way. That's, I mean, I can't even speak about how huge that is. I mean, cable's cool, but Fox—that's network television. Yeah, when I I actually got drafted to SmackDown uh, last year, so I've been on SmackDown less than a year, and so it's, it's it's crazy to think that being on SmackDown for less than a year, I'm already going to uh, WrestleMania, and you know I was in NXT since 2016, and um it's 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 crazy sometimes like seeing myself on a WrestleMania poster. Um, because <laughs> I think about like the greats like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and The Rock and Steve Austin. Like I remember seeing them on these WrestleMania posters, and now that I'm on the WrestleMania poster, I'm like, is this the same WrestleMania? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm this is the same thing. I'm on this level with them. So, uh, it's it's been a wild and fun and crazy ride ever since I came into WWE since 2016. Uh, you know, I have a very unique journey. I didn't watch wrestling growing up or I didn't I didn't dream of being a WWE wrestler when I was 10 um I just wrestling found me and it's completely changed my life around so to be someone who never imagined being a WWE wrestler now I am a WWE wrestler and I can't imagine myself doing anything other than this now because I've just completely fallen in love with WWE and, and I'm so passionate about it so it's um I just feel blessed to be the one in this position to be at WrestleMania um to now be on Fox, <laughs> which is a big deal. You know, they say SmackDown is a land of opportunity. And I think that I've proven that true ever since I've gotten to SmackDown. I've just, I've been going up, up, up all the way to WrestleMania now. No question. You know, a couple of years ago, I had Alexa Bliss on the show. I asked her, well, how does one go from being a cheerleader in college to WWE and at the top of the game? So I'm going to ask you the same question. How does one go from being a track star to WWE? I say for me, it's just all about um, starting over every single day and moving forward. Uh, you know, I ran track in college. I did CrossFit. I did gymnastics, tumbling, soccer, almost every sport in the book. And I'm not any of those things right now. But those things led me to where I am now, you know, track and CrossFit. And Mark Henry discovered me doing uh, CrossFit. All of those things led to where I am now. So it's all about moving forward. Um, and I always say, whenever, uh, what, what's going to be for you is, is going to be for you. No one can take that away, but you have to make sure that you put yourself in a position where when that opportunity presents itself, that you're prepared for it. So you always say, you never know who's watching you. So you always got to show up and show out, even when you don't think anyone's watching you, because I was doing CrossFit and I had no idea Mark Henry was going to see a video of me, um, but I, I, I was showing up and I was showing out. I was moving forward. I was trying new things. Um, and for me, I didn't know that wrestling was my dream. And so I had to just keep moving forward and opening myself up, making sure I was available for, for any opportunity that came my way. And that's what happened for me. And Mark, when Mark Henry contacted me and asked me, had I ever thought of being a WWE wrestler? Um, you know, I, I was like, this is either too good to be true or this is the perfect fit for me. But he also was was very adamant on I can get you a tryout, but I cannot get them to hire you. I can't get them to like you. You have to do that. You have to do that for yourself. So for me, it was just, you know, this is the opportunity and I have to move forward and I have to I have to go in and give 100 percent. And um, 
you know, for some people, you know, they, they knew that wrestling was their dream. And so they, they, they just stuck with it and they kept going for, they kept going after it no matter what. For me, it was just something where I say, you just keep moving forward. Just always keep moving forward. You never, whatever direction you go, you want to go for it because you're eventually going to get to your destination and whatever is going to be for you is going to be for you and it will find you. But you have to be ready for that opportunity. Yep. No question about it. The one and only the EST joins us here on the program so, I mean, you were a pretty good track star, though, right? Like, I, I believe All-American uh, in the SEC, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The University of Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's the home, because you're from, so that's the hometown school. Can you speak to that and, and being able to be a star at the hometown school? Yeah. So I ran track um, in, in high school, and I got a full scholarship. I actually started out at the University of South Carolina, uh, for my freshman year, then I transferred to Texas A&M University, and then I finished up at the University of Tennessee, which is my hometown. I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, so I I, I went back home, and it was cool because my mom my mom also graduated from the University of Tennessee, so um, it you know being being back home, and you know I was kind of a a, a hometown um. I don't know what word to call it, but when, when I was in high school, like I was very popular because I was very good in sports and I was the number one um, recruit out of high school going into college. So to be able to come back home uh, and finish up and and be very successful at the University of Tennessee in my hometown with the community with the community that's been behind me ever since. I was a little girl. Um, they, I, I, I was surrounded by love with my community, and they pushed me and motivated me. And so to to go back home and finish it up there in that community, it, it's you know Knoxville is my home. It's my heart, and I'm always going to be a Lady Vol for life. So that's till the day I die. Couple of more thoughts. What, what are we What are we going to see from you and Sasha Banks at WrestleMania? And you're right. Like WrestleMania is huge. I can remember going back to wait, you know, back in the day and all that. But what do you, what, 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 what do we need to expect from the both of you? Well, all I can say is things are heating up between Sasha and I. Um, I think, you know, there's no friendship on the line. All, all that there is on the line is a title that uh, that I want from Sasha and a title that Sasha doesn't want me to have. And so it's just two alpha females that are going in there to compete, to prove, you know, Sasha calls herself the best. I call myself the B-E-S-T, the best. And it's going to be two women in there, um, you know, going for the same goal, competing, fighting, and really trying to prove who is actually the best. And, you know, she calls me the rookie. So she, I know she's going to be in there um, trying to not let this rookie take that title from her. So it's going to be a magical two nights. And it's going to be amazing. And for every, all the fans that are going to be there, the 25,000 fans are going to be there. And also for everyone watching, that's going to be watching on Peacock because WrestleMania is going to be streaming live on Peacock for the first time ever. Um, but it's going to be a magical night. It's it's not just going to be about the, 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 the match It's like WrestleMania is about the gear, the entrance, the show. So we're just going out there to put on the show and create history. The EST of WWE Bianca Belair and your thoughts who's gonna win the match Bianca Belair or Sasha Banks hit me up via Twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w let me know who you think is gonna win the match or if you want to react to anything that Bianca Belair had to say up next here on from the press box to press row we're gonna be joined by Alabama A&M head football coach Connell Maynor who if you didn't know is a movie star in his own respect. We'll explain and ask him about it. Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. If you think the game last week between Jackson State and Southern was big, Another big-time game this Saturday on ESPN. The Alabama A&M Bulldogs just 1-0 on the season, but ranked number one in the HBCU football coaches and media polls in his third season as the head football coach at Alabama A&M is Connell Maynard, who joins us here on From the Press Box to press for the Bulldogs. Going to be in action in Jackson, Mississippi, taking on Jackson State. What's going on, Coach Maynard? Nothing much, man. Uh, trying to get ready to play a football game. 
you know, last couple of weeks we get to this point and, and we get a call saying they can't play because of COVID. So we're just keeping our fingers crossed and uh, hoping that we get a chance to play this weekend. Yeah, it's been, what, four weeks since you've played? Yeah. I mean, the only game you got to play was the game that came together the, at the last minute against South Carolina State, one in which they come to you, you beat them 31 uh, to seven. What has that been like? Has that been more frustrating not being able to play, or do you see it as an opportunity to kind of work on uh, some things to prepare for whatever the next game may be? Too much time to work on stuff, Donald. You know, uh, I, I think that uh, we practice to play the games, and uh, everybody else is playing, and uh, then come to us for whatever reason, just a, a lot of bad luck. And, uh, you know, they seem to opt out against us. But, you know, we only had one game at game speed. And uh, my starters really only played three quarters in that game uh, and maybe one more series. And then we got some other guys in there. So uh, we just don't have the game speed reps. Uh, You know, Jackson is going into game six. They got five games under their belt. So they got game speed. Uh, They know they, they pros and cons, what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, we don't really know that because we only had one game and one opponent. Uh, so uh, we got a little bit of advantage. We got a little bit more film on them guys than they got on us. They got one game, and, of course, they go to last year. Uh, but they got game reps, game speed on us. So uh, we'll see what happens. We're going to go out and play hard and and uh, try to take care of the football and, and see what happens Saturday. Yeah, and what's interesting is, I mean, you go – you know, your first game was supposed to be maybe the HBCU game of the year – against Alcorn State, and ultimately that one uh, did not happen as uh, Alcorn State opted out of the season. So what are some, like, what is the preparation like? Like, how, what do you, what have you been working on in these, you know, in these four, in these four weeks or so? Is you, do you treat it like well, spring practice? No, no, you can't treat it like spring practice. You have to treat it like an open week. And, you know, to be honest with you, if we knew at the beginning of the week, you know, I could set a schedule. But like uh, like the Grambling week, you know, we'd already practiced. It was about this time, Wednesday afternoon, six o'clock, that I got the call from my AD that uh, Grambling wasn't gonna be able to play. So I I had already practiced two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. So of course I gave him went Thursday and Friday off. We came back and did a little something Saturday, and then Sunday we do our normal Sunday. We go lift lift some weights and watch some tape, and they off Monday. Monday's they off day anyway. So then we back in the game week basically on Sunday. So. Uh, that's kind of what we've been doing, you know, practice two days off, two days, practice off uh, in all these open weeks. And uh, we'll, we'll probably hit one of those days and, and go helmet shoulder pass the other days. And, uh, you know, guys just, you know, tired of hitting each other and, and want to hit somebody else and opportunity to play games because, you know, you practice all week anticipation of playing a game on Saturday. And we haven't been able to do that but one time. So, uh, the guys just anxious and ready to play, and then we got a great opportunity this week playing a good uh, Jackson State uh, team and playing at their place. I think it's homecoming on national TV. So we're just very excited not only to play, but the atmosphere to get another game in on the road, a homecoming event, an ESPN game. Um, a lot of positives. Yeah. So what did you take away? I mean, obviously your your first and only game was back on March 6th against – South Carolina State, again, a home win, 31-7 to over South Carolina State. What did you take away from that football game? Uh, we got to a slow start, Donald. You know, it's been over 400 days since we played a football game. It was on the road. Uh, it was the first game, uh, a tough opponent in a, in a good environment. Uh, Buddy Pugh always have his teams ready to play, always got a good team, always win seven, eight, nine games every year. So we knew it was going to be a tough battle. And uh, we didn't come out and play very good uh, offensively the first quarter. Or, or halfway through the second quarter. But the defense played great and kept us in the game and, and kept them scoreless. And then we, we made a play and got a, uh, a turnover, I think, on the on the kickoff and, and got another score right before half. So we got two scores before the half, kind of got us rolling there. And then the third quarter we executed well. And, uh, of course, fourth quarter we let the starters play one more series and then we put the backups in. So, um, you know, overall, defensively, we, we look good. We look good, but it's only one game. Offensively, we look good, but we struggled coming out, and we got kind of say, you know, we ain't played in 400 days. Offensively, everybody has to be on the same page and got to have that timing down where the defense can get going a little bit faster. You know, early in camp, the defense normally is ahead of the offense because the offense don't have all its plays in. 
and and the chemistry and all of this. So we're gonna bank it on that. And but you know I, we had a lot of positives and we had some negatives and we we worked on those things and had a lot of time to work on those things down a whole month. So hopefully we'll we'll get off to a faster start. Uh, but we don't know because we haven't had but one game of game speed. So uh, we'll show up and play hard. Yeah. That's the voice of Connell Maynard, his third season as the head football coach at Alabama A&M. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What do you make of the performance? And I know when we had you on the podcast, I mean, Aquil Glass coming into this one, one of the top 25 NFL prospects in the country. You said he's got a long way to go before we can even talk about uh, National Football League. But in the game, he completed uh, about 46% of his passes, 272 yards, four touchdowns and three interceptions in the game. What did you make of his performance in that football game? Um, it was it was, um, it was, was okay game, Donald. It, uh, you know, a, a lot of quarterbacks have stats like that, and, and to me, they, wasn't, they weren't good enough. You know, you, you need to be about 60%, and uh, you don't need to throw interceptions. You don't need to turn the ball over, throw the ball to the other team. We did that four times, and you say 40-something percent, you know, that's not good enough. And so – for him and, and our standards, what we're looking for and what he's looking for, that wasn't good enough. And uh, his start was way – was not good enough uh, to be a pro sp- prospect and to be uh, in his third season in this offense, knowing exactly what he's doing. Uh, he didn't play very good in that first first hand. He played a little better in, in the third quarter, a lot better in the third quarter. And uh, we're going to chalk it up to, like I said, you know, just not playing a 400 days. But it wasn't up to his standards. Connell Maynard, the head football coach at Alabama A&M, joins us here on the program. The Bulldogs and Jackson State going to get together on Saturday in Jackson, Mississippi. It's an ESPN televised game. Is as this is a big time football game? Okay, and and you know for so many different reasons. Uh, but I mean, your guys are your guys. A lot of your guys, Glass, uh, Holloway. Ibrahim as a freshman last year. A lot of other guys are used to this kind of football game, right? Because they played, you know, in that that big game uh, that you all play against Alabama State every year. So they're used to this, to, to sort of the big stage. Yeah, you know, we, we had a big game last year at the end of the season against Alcorn. At that, uh, you know, we scored on last play, but my receiver stepped out. And, uh, you know, they beat us by six. So if he catches that ball, we tied up, kicked their point. We win the game, win the championship. So, these guys, you're right. They, they played in big games before. They played in the classic uh, in front of 65,000 people and uh, another 30,000 outside and all the hoopla and everything that goes along with national TV. So our guys played and been in this environment uh, before. I mean, even the Sacramento State game, you know, it was a big game. Uh, playing a MEAC opponent like Buddy Pugh and on TV, on the road, the first game of the season. So, yeah, our guys have played in big games before. Uh, and, you know, this this won't overwhelm them. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that Magic City Classic is huge. Your thoughts on Jackson State, some of the, you know, some of what challenges Jackson State may present? Uh, well, they're going to play hard. You know, they got a, they got some good players over there. They got some good coaches. And uh, they got a good scheme. You know, uh, they uh, just haven't been consistent as, as they want to be. But, uh, of course, I, I don't know. I've, I've seen something that said they, they might change quarterbacks. You know, but, you know, Jones posed a threat with his dual threat ability to uh, beat you with his arm and his legs. He's probably the fastest quarterback in the league from what I've seen on film and just watching them on TV. Uh, uh, then they got a good running back. I think he leads the conference in rushing. Uh, I know he got dinged up a little bit last week, so I don't know how much he's going to play this week. Uh, defensively, they got defense player of the year back, a linebacker. They signed another uh, FBS linebacker, and they got a cornerback that's a – that uh, coach thinks is a uh, NFL prospect, and and they got some D linemen over there. So we're gonna have a hands full. You know, them guys gonna fly around there, hit you. We seen them on tape hitting people, and you know we gotta be ready to execute and play at a high level for sixty minutes. Yeah, to your point about the quarterbacks. I mean, do you? you we we know what Jalen Jones can do. He's played the all all season. You know, Quincy Casey has come up in spot duty. I mean, are you are you? I guess you're preparing for both quarterbacks. Yeah, you kind of got to. You know, we're we really going to just prepare for their offense, what we've seen on film so far this year. Um, you know, you, you can't really switch up your offense that drastic. Um, and I think they, I think Quincy and, and Jones are both for 
similar quarterback. Uh, both of them are dual threat. So I'm pretty sure they're going to probably run the same thing they've been running. Uh, they're just going to run it with Quincy now. They may throw the ball a couple more times than they did in the past. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be pretty much the same same uh, game plan for those guys. And then lastly, for Connell Maynard, the head coach at head football coach at Alabama A&M, and we appreciate the time. We know, well, I know, some of, some may not know your movie star. See, I need to get you on my podcast. There's a lot we got to talk about the four AFL championships, the great days at A&T and Winston-Salem State. But you're, you're, you're a movie star. Like, you're, you're a semi-movie star. You, you, you were, the, what, the stunt double, a double in any given Sunday, plus got some FaceTime for Jamie Foxx, right? What, what was that like, Al Pacino? What was that like? Oh, man, it was unbelievable, man. Uh, Al Pacino would uh, come out with his sports jacket on and come up under the tent and, like, and grab a ball, so let's toss some balls, and he'd stand about 10 yards apart. And we'd toss balls, about about 15 balls, and we probably did that two or three times. And he was just unbelievable, man. He was so great. Uh, I got a couple pictures with him. Uh, and when everybody else was getting their pictures, I was getting mine signed. So, uh I, you know, because I was Jamie Double, I got to get in the tent with those guys when everybody else had to go inside. So I had a few special privileges with those guys. Uh, Jim Brown, played golf with Jim Brown. He made a 45-foot on the last hole to tie me. Uh, I thought I had him, and he made a birdie, a 45-foot on the last hole to tie me. And me and LT, we probably played 20 rounds of golf. Uh, we played the Doral Blue Monster plenty of times, and, Shoot, we would play a minimum of 36 holes, a minimum of 36, me and LT. So um, then we had Cameron Diaz and Dennis Quaig and, uh, of course, Jamie Foxx and, and uh, Bill Bellamy and, uh, you know, LL Cool J. You know, so all these guys, uh, even Ricky Waters and uh, Ricky Waters was in, in the movie also and Terrell Owens. So we got to meet all these guys, man. It was just unbelievable. They was all down to earth. They uh, all treated me like I, I was a, a real movie star, and, uh, and everybody know I wasn't. So um, I, I, it was just an unbelievable time in my life, man. And uh, it, it was it was great being in that movie, meeting all those stars, and, and just hanging out with those guys. Uh, we went to the movies, and uh, we played basketball, and it was just unbelievable. When the, we, we went in the back door of the movie theater, and when we looked out in front where they were selling popcorn and some women saw Jamie and LL. They start hollering, ah, ah, ah. It's Jamie and LL. And I was like, nope, no pictures, no pictures. No pictures. <laughs> Movie star and Alabama and head football coach, Connell Bader, joining us here on From the Press Box, the press row of the Bulldogs and Jackson State going to get together on Saturday in Jackson, Mississippi. Coach Maynard, always appreciate the time, man. Good luck to you and the Bulldogs. Thank you, uh, Donald. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Connell Maynard, again, by the way, a four-time Arena Football League champion and an actor, if you didn't know, had a lot, matter of fact, had a lot of scenes where he was, you could see him, not just the stunt double for Jamie Foxx, you could actually see him. So that is really pretty cool. Big-time football game, Alabama A&M and Jackson State, and we're going to preview that a little bit later on. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The National Football League draft is a couple of weeks away, and we're going to be joined by former North Carolina Central cornerback Brian Mills, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at The Tax Doctor and learn more. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. That's 800-659-7980. The others pretend. 
You're listening to the only sports talk show in America that actually cares what you've got to say. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Let's keep things going here on Box to Row. Of course, during this time of the year, we talk with some of the top players who have an opportunity to hear their names called in the NFL draft. First up is a young man from North Carolina Central. As a matter of fact, was a Box to Row All-American back in 2019 and was invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl. Had his pro day, uh, as a matter of fact, last week over at NC State. We'll talk a little bit more about that. He is Brian Mills. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Solid pro day for you. But I want to start here. Uh, Obviously, 2020 didn't go like anyone wanted to go. You had a very, very good uh, 2019. Um, Ultimately, what led you to the decision to decide to enter your name into the National Football League draft for 2021? Uh, Really, I felt like it was the perfect time for me to leave. You know, my goal was to be in the 2021 draft since I started playing uh, football, you know, I counted it out. And um, everything just aligned perfectly. I got an invite to the Senior Bowl. Um, I had a great 2019 season. I had a great pro day. So, uh, really, everything just played out well, perfectly. No no question about that. Um, so, tell us, what's what's sort of the journey been like? Like, you haven't played football. You've been to some, you know, pro day and Reese's Senior Bowl and all the things that – uh, sort of those combines offer, but in essence, you haven't played football since November of 2019. So, kind of take us through your trek in terms of, you know, your your processes in terms of working out and so forth to prepare yourself for the National Football League draft. Uh, well, I've been working out with Russell Dudley at Top Notch Performance, and out, it's out here in Durham, North Carolina. Actually, you know, he's been getting me in shape. You know, intense workouts two times a day, six times a week. Uh, you know, still maintaining my weight. Actually, putting on weight right now to get a little bit bigger. Uh, my goal is to be 190, but uh, that comes with strength too. When you get a little bigger, you're still faster. Uh, still going to DB coaches, uh, working out my hips. You know, be more fluent in my technique. You know, and just keep studying the game of football. You know, that's how I'm staying in the mix and being a better player. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you simulate? I mean, how are you able to simulate the game like that? That's you know, that's going to be a lot of time off. Uh, from the last time you actually played in a game until perhaps even training camp, yet alone preseason, making a roster, et cetera. How have you been able to kind of simulate the contact that goes along with the game of football? Really? You can't really, like, simulate it. Uh, you just got to, when times come, you got to be prepared mentally. Everything is mental as in a day. When I went to the senior ball, I was sudden around. The first few minutes, I, I fell back into my groove, you know, you knock those butterflies off and you get back into it. You can go hard every play. So, really, you can't really, like, simulate it when you're outside of football. You just have to be ready mentally when you get there. That's why you get stronger and you put on weight. That's the voice of Brian Mills, hoping to hear his name called in this year's National Football League draft. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press World. Very curious to know how one uh, ends up uh, f- coming from Cali and playing uh, at a JUCO or couple – uh, in Cali, coming all the way across country to play at North Carolina Central. How did you ultimately end up with the Eagles? They picked me. You know, they're my only offer, and that's the only school I had. So uh, I just ran with it, really, and that's how I ended up where I'm at today. Man, it all worked out for me. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a beautiful thing, no question about that. You know, one of the things that I, I, I sort of get perturbed uh, by this a little bit, and I want to kind of get your thoughts SI, uh, yes, I did a piece on you talking about, you know, the opportunity that you may have and some of the traits, both from a positive and a negative standpoint. But one of the negatives that they said doesn't uh, play against uh, great talent. And I, I, you know, I look at guys like I look at a guy like Xavier Smith and Dontrez, uh, DeMontrez Burroughs, who you have to go up uh, against, a guy like an Elijah Bell, Jimmy Robinson. You know, you got to go up against Jawan Carter uh, as a quarterback, Ryan Stanley. You got to try to bring down Jamaine Martin, who is a pro football player. Does that perturb you when you when you sort of hear those kind of things, knowing that you've played against some really good football players? Um, No, not really. I don't really be focused on other players. 
to be honest, you know, I work on myself, you know, elevating myself. I just stay in my own little bubble. What I need to work on, like, names don't really change who I am, doesn't change my perspective, you know. I got goals that have nothing to do with them, so they're good players at the end of the day, but I really don't be paying attention to them like that. Sure. No, understood. But, I mean, you feel like you're playing against some good competition, though, right? Right, right. Yeah, I'm always playing against great, uh, great competition, you know, and it always gets better, you know, coming closer to the league. So talent's going to be, you know, great, you know, a lot of competition. That, of course, Brian Mills joins us here on the program, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. So have you been able to sort of talk with any of the teams? I'm sure I'm sure you had some conversations maybe with some as it release, uh, relates at least to the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl. What, what have some of the teams been saying to you? Um, you know, they really like my physical attributes. You know, they like the player, the player I am. They like, like the character at the end of the day, too, because you can find talent anywhere, but sometimes you can't find character always everywhere. So, like, that's a player I'm coachable. You know, I'm laid back. I don't get in trouble, but I have a lot of potential they can work with. You know, I'm a big corner, and they, they like that. They want to work with that. Yeah, what are some of the things you feel like you still, you know, we got a couple of weeks before the draft, but that you, you know, still need to, well, you know, you got a couple of weeks before the draft, but I know you're always working to get better anyway. So what are some of the things you're looking to improve upon? You know, um, my technique, you know, being more fluid, you know, my twitch muscle, I mean, just knowledge of the game, you know, I don't have any more school to interfere. So I really get my playbook more and know everybody's position. So I could make plays on the ball. That's how you, the game speed is much faster because everybody knows their job now. They're they're uh, really bought in, so that's why I want to get more bought into football. Brian Mills, again, a, a former box to row All-American back in 2019, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft cornerback for North Carolina Central. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Brian, really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Yes, sir. Thank you. We'll see ultimately what happens with Brian Mills, small school player, HBCU player. I remember you go back a couple of years ago, Darius Leonard, now a household name, the maniac, was drafted in the second round by the Colts. He's one of the best defensive players in all of the National Football League. Time is running low, so I'll say this with respect to Jackson State and Alabama A&M. I think... Alabama A&M wins this game. Some, it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think, by Alabama A&M, somewhere around 35-38 to 10 or 14 for Jackson State, something along those lines. I think the matchup to really watch out for is the Ibrahim, the wide receiver for Alabama A&M, and the Warren kid for Jackson State. You're talking about two of the best players at their respective positions anywhere. Okay, Warren highly touted coming out of JUCO. And you look at Ibrahim, a phenomenal freshman year on last year with Aquil Glass throwing the football to him. Should be a big-time football game. If you want to hear my entire prediction, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com and check it out on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Thank you. To Brian Mills and to Connell Maynard for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. For more information on the program, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.